Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Usually you see his face on Zoom, but he's doing a high school football game tonight. So Josh Neighbors, uh, from from an undisclosed location, I don't want people to find you, Josh. You know, the, the people, there's a following happening because of the neighborhood watch. I don't want your fans just to show up, and then you can't work tonight. Uh, so I won't tell them where you are. But uh, this is a crazy week uh, in college football coming up with Texas and Bama, uh, Oregon and Texas Tech, you know, Baylor and Utah, you know, A&M and Miami, uh, what Colorado and Nebraska, like all these these great games, especially coming off of last week. First of all, your thoughts on week one and some of the the shaking out we saw, like Colorado big win, FSU big win, Clemson uh, really embarrassing loss uh, because Dabo Sweeney can't get out of his own way. Yeah, uh, congratulations, Paul, on you. your uh, on your on your Florida State and Seminoles. I mean. That was that was an unbelievable uh, effort from them. I mean, I, I think it's almost lost on us the fact that it was seventeen fourteen at halftime, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that that is kind of something I think we've already forgotten about. And um, I mean, I, I was wondering, you know, hey, Mike Norvell, like, is this thing is this actually the truth? And look, you know, I, I always look at that blue chip ratio, but Elliot has every single year, and I don't believe. Florida State was on it this year, unless I totally missed them on it. But no. they've done a great job with the transfers that they've gotten this year. And that was, I mean, just unbelievable job by, by him. And, and uh, you know, you spin it to Monday night, like at 24 hours later. And I don't know. I know it's overreaction, but, like, I don't know how you, you know, don't say that there's a shifting of the guard in the ACC because you think about how we've been calling out these issues for Clemson for a long time. The fact that the defensive line's been a big strength for them. The fact that they've had great wide receivers, but that seems to have dried up a little bit. And despite who their quarterbacks are, you know, it hasn't really seemed to matter. They can't spin the ball down the field anymore. And so I think there is a massive power dynamic shifting in the ACC right before our very eyes that Clemson run could be over. And they have great, great players, great resources, but that could be changing. And obviously you mentioned in the Big 12. You know, I had some people saying, oh, it was a good, still a good week for the Big 12. No, nah, it, it, it was not. I mean, four of the hateful eight, as we have called, and the four remaining or the eight remaining Big 12 schools uh, that will be in the new version of the league, go down. West Virginia was expected, but you had TCU, 20- to 21-point favorite, depending on where you looked. Baylor, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of a four-touchdown favorite. They lose, and Texas Tech blows a 17-point lead, uh, and they end up losing on the road to Wyoming and Laramie. So, uh, you know, a lot. I mean, those schools were looking at the TCU because they keep the momentum, and then obviously Texas Tech, and they capitalize on the momentum, and then Baylor, can they get the momentum back with the program? Uh, a lot of questions. More questions than answers for those teams coming out of week one. Yeah, there, there really are. And uh, for TCU, you know, look, I, I think part of it was they caught the buzzsaw that was Dion right out of the box, and there's nobody more prepared to deal with a hype train 
even especially one that he helped create, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I hear all these things all summer long of Deion Sanders going, y'all don't know who we have coming. Y'all don't know. And I was like, well, I kind of do, right? I mean, like, they're transfers from other places. We've, we've heard of them. We've seen a lot of these guys play. But, but man, I, I can say, yes, Dion, you, you were right. I did not know. Uh, I mean, that was a coaching mismatch. There was mm-hmm. one-way traffic. And, and I think that was, the, that was the very impressive part of it was the fact that, you know, his team was so prepared. And, look, it was interesting because that Joe Gillespie defense – should not have had that many problems against the veer and shoot offense because guess what? They drill against it in practice. I mean, I was surprised about that, but that was a fantastic offensive game plan. They knew to take what TC would give them in the early season, tackling things like that. Can, you know, they're not at the top level, but not refined, especially trying to tackle those guys in space. Shador Sanders, you can say what you want about the arm strength because I'm not sure it's totally there, but the, I mean, that guy was computing at a high level. That guy was executing at a high level, you know, not doing anything crazy challenging, right? And, and uh, you had a couple deep balls, one miss, and you know, one drop potentially. But uh, the, the game plan was great. And I know their defense wasn't fantastic, but the fact they actually got some stops and, you know, Travis Hunter having him with the red zone, uh, the big red zone pick obviously was great. But that last drive, like causing that pressure up the middle, making Chandler Morris make the, make the decision to toss the ball to Wiley in the flat and they get him down. I mean, no tackles for loss and no sacks, and you still get the, the big critical stops. Like, that is fantastic coaching. They were so well prepared. And to blow Sonny Dykes and Joe Gillespie and also, uh, you know, Kendall Bryles away like that in the coaching department, I think was a big upset. Now, I, I don't think anybody's going to be caught off guard by that moving forward. But, hey, if you can collect the pelts of uh, – of Sonny Dykes and then Matt Rule back-to-back weeks. I mean, we, we might have something on our hands here in Colorado. Yeah, look, and I don't think that they're going to, you know, obviously I don't think this is a team that's going to be a CFP contender, but they're going to play a couple in the, next, in the next few weeks. And look, the same thing like TCU. If Colorado makes the right spots, plays at the right spots, they're going to score with everybody they play for the most part. So you can't really put them out of it with that offense. Yeah, no, and that's, that's important. Like, And I think I mean, you get a sitting – a sitting coach and a guy who's got as much respect as Sean Lewis did, you know, to be your offensive coordinator and with the athletes they have, like it, the offense is going to work like that, but that, that style of offense is going to work because if you've got those kinds of athletes, you just get them in space. You're going to have some pretty significant success. And they're saying, all right, well, we can't even run the football. So let's give the ball to the running back and the running back has the three touchdowns. Like that scheme, they're scheming up and that's great execution from the players too. I, I think, you know, Paul, we kind of use a big 12 analogy they remind me of Kansas because I think the biggest issue that we're going to see with Colorado is like what happens if you keep going to that week to week grind and you start having some depth issues. I mean, you cannot play, I guess I, I will see, but I don't think you can play Travis Hunter that many plays. And so uh, to me, you know, I think it's good. They have like really difficult games early on because they need to strike now. The iron is hot. What happened to KU last year? They had some injuries in the offense. Uh, you know, the, the defense kind of wore down as the year went along. So I think it was positive for them. It's positive. They're getting the, the tough challenges now. But uh, those ones coming up, the USC and Oregon games back-to-back, yikes. That's tough. Yeah, absolutely. So, Josh, this week, uh, Texas and Bama, Oregon and Texas Tech, which is yours? What, what of those, like, really are you kind of peaked interest-wise on more? Yeah, and that, that 6.35, 6 p.m. slot is, is, I mean, unbelievable, Paul, for the Big 12. Like, we only have, not only those games, 
Uh, let's see if Cincinnati on the CW, right? CW kickoff for football. Let's see if that was that. That might be a little something there. If, if we doubted them, let's see if Emory Jones. It, it might be a little bit better of a player than we expected. Also, uh, you know, you have that game happening. Uh, you know, at, at that point of the day, but um, going up against that Texas game as well, the Oregon game happening there, and then UCF goes to Boise State. Boise State takes it on the chin against Washington last week, but. That still might be a pretty good team and a pretty decent, uh, you know, outfit there. And they don't lose a lot of home games in non-conference, especially too at home. And Oklahoma State went there and beat them a few years ago, but they got lucky with some calls. So yeah, I mean that's a massive window for the Big Twelve. I, I think you know I'm leaning towards Texas plus the points just because I think Sark is such a good big game coach. Uh, you know, I think we talk about the games that catch them. It's like that weird Oklahoma State game last year. And they blow the lead against TC or uh, you know, Texas Tech. Uh, you know that TCU game was a big game, but just like TCU was just kind of a buzzball at that point, and they were beating everybody. Um, you know, until so like you know the, the the games along the way trip them up. The big games really don't. The Oklahoma game, my God, it was one way traffic. So I think that is interested in is you know is, is another big game situation because they've got they're going up against a good defense, obviously, but they've got guys all over the field who can make plays. J.T. Sanders, Isaiah Mayor, Xavier Worthy, if he doesn't have that drop issue. Quinn Ewers, no, I think I think we're going to keep seeing an evolution. People forget how few games he's actually played as a starting quarterback at this level, and he's getting older, and guys get older and more mature, especially a guy with that level of talent. So that's obviously on the marquee. And then Texas Tech, you mentioned them too. I, I, I do not think this game is going to go well for them. Uh, I just, The more and more I think about it, to start the week, I felt like Texas Tech was more likely than Baylor to get to get kind of the upset win. I've kind of almost flipped on that at this point. You know, I think the early start might help Baylor catch Utah a little bit. Uh, I, I mean, the last time we saw Texas Tech in a massive game under the lights was like that Patrick Mahomes honoring game. They did have that Oklahoma game, which was a shootout at the end of last year, but that Patrick Mahomes night was such a big deal, and they fell flat. And then last week, they came out of the gate so hot, they fell flat like, there are opportunities for Oregon to take advantage big time. And, um, you know, Bo Nix, I mean, he has looked extremely, extremely good against the quality of competition that you know, he's gone up against. But still, he's looked really good as he transitioned out of the SEC. So can they put pressure on Bo Nix? And, and can they rally? Because Joey McGuire, you know, uh, they need to find some positive things they can take. And there was some good stuff in week one. They need to just feel like after this game, though, that, that you know, they can rebuild some confidence. But, I mean, that's a problem for both Baylor and Texas Tech. They're staring 0-2 right in the face. I would think the advantage for Baylor is that the, you know, stud quarterback from the Pac-12 that Utah wants to have out there is not going to be. And then for Tech, you just, you know, they got to face Bo Nix. I mean, so that that's that's where maybe it flips for me. I just, Josh, I'll tell you, I have just have a hard time seeing Baylor – fixing their issues in a week when a team that's as fundamentally sound as Utah is the one that you're going to play. Yeah. Right. But, but the thing is about Baylor, like we've actually seen them have a couple moments. They've rallied up front. You know what I mean? Like the, the performances have improved sometimes on a week to week basis. So that's another issue. It's the inconsistency. You know, we see a, an, an unbelievable effort against the TCU team last year. And they didn't close the deal out, but like that TCU team just had something special. And you know, I thought Baylor played a really strong game and you can question Dave Aranda's game management and not being, you know, kind of going for the kill in that game against TCU last year. But, yeah, I mean, you know, last week, like, that is not a power five secondary, it looks like, at this point in time, or at least they're not playing at that level. I mean, the way TJ Finley had success against them was was really surprising. And I thought Blake Shapin looked good, but, like, you think if Baylor's offense looks good and your quarterback looks good, 
you should take care of business. And they didn't. And they were down. I mean, they were down like multiple scores, but like for like most of the game. So, you know, I feel like because there's going to be a sense of desperation that, you know, and I'm not saying this is a must win spot, but we're going to be asking some super serious questions about this program, especially if they get a hand to them tomorrow. I mean, uh, we already, you know, I'm sure you know, Paul, as, as Mac Rhodes told you all earlier in the week, uh, I think that the quote was, if you said it was unacceptable, I wouldn't disagree with you. I believe that was the wording. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's wrong. No. Yeah, it was. Yeah. No, I, that was very telling uh, hearing him, him say that and where, where the, the energy level was on that team. Well, Josh, um, we'll just tell the fans where, what high school game are you doing tonight? We have the, uh, we have the four time defending state champion, Bryant Hornet 7A here in, uh, in Arkansas. They're hosting Parkview, the defending 5A state champion. So that's a pretty, pretty big game. And uh, a couple of folks have said to me this might be the game of the year in the state of Arkansas. Not quite the level of high school football you all have down there in the state of Texas, but still some pretty good players up in this neck of the woods. What's the number gap, like student athlete wise, between 7 and 5A? It's a good question, and something that uh, in my preparation I should have I should have found out, Paul. So the next time we talk, I will tell you what the uh, what the number is. I'm still adjusting from my Virginia route okay. uh, here, but but I, I think I mean I think the gap was probably like twenty or thirty, you know, fifteen twenty. Uh, I think in in Virginia, but um, you know, but but it might be higher here. I'm not positive. Well, I'll just tell you, in Texas, six A teams don't play four A teams, and if they do, right. Even a bad 6A team, you don't pick the good 4A team to beat them. It's just how it goes. But that I don't know. You know, it's different everywhere. It's it's not a, There's not a national standard. So, Josh, thanks so much. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Paul, anytime. All right. That's Josh Neighbors, host of the Neighborhood Watch, over on our, our sister channel, Crystal Ball College Football. Jack has a podcast over there. And with Garrett. Yeah. Don't, don't forget Garrett. Come on. I mean, I can't forget he, you know. Yeah, the College Chaos walked, podcast. Walked into the camera a few minutes ago. Uh, so. A few minutes ago. Wow. We're, we're getting close to an hour ago. Well, I mean, look, in the grand scheme of how many minutes there are, Jack, it's Okay, only if you few. want to get pedantic about it. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Oh, media network.com.